As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new special limited series we have coming up here on The Athletic NBA Show feed. It is called Stargazing. It is hosted by the Athletics' fantastic Lakers reporter, Jovan Buha. Stargazing is a look at the lifestyle gurus and support systems around NBA superstars. Each episode will center on one professional that represents an aspect of NBA culture. It could be fashion, it could be entertainment, nightlife, fitness, social media, as well as hear from the NBA superstars that work with these professionals. Some upcoming guests include Vince the Barber, Ronnie 2K, Rich Fresh, and B-Dot episodes of Stargazing will be released every Sunday starting on December 19th and will run through the NBA All-Star Weekend in February. That's Stargazing with our guy, Jovan Buha, Sundays right here on the Athletic NBA Show feed. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for 30% off an annual subscription. Al, it's almost Christmas, and it's been quite a week in the NBA. Tell me what happened. Andrew, I would say it was a week of statements. A lot of teams separating themselves from the pack for better or worse. It all started Friday night. With the Cleveland Cavaliers, who beat the Wolves 123 to 106, the game itself wasn't much to remember, but I had to find a way to squeeze in some Cavs talk because this was the week when everyone finally recognized what I've been saying since the preseason. One of these bad teams is going to be good, and I'm arbitrarily guessing it will be the Cavs. <laughs> you were first. You were first. <laughs> the Cavs have won nine out of their last 11 and currently sit in the fourth seat at 18-12. On Saturday night, the Utah Jazz defeated the Washington Wizards 123-98. The Jazz have now won eight in a row and have seen their defense slowly creep back into the top five. 
the Jazz and the Warriors are the only teams in the league who currently have both a top five offense and a top five defense. The Wizards, meanwhile, have lost seven of eight with the weight of being called a fake surprise team by myself, clearly weighing heavy on the team. Basketball reference playoff odds currently has the Wizards with only a 14.9% chance of making the playoffs. Wow. On Sunday night, the Timberwolves, who refuse to decide if they are good or not, beat the Blazers 116-111. to 111. In the past month, the Wolves went on a stretch where they won 7 of 8. They followed that up with five straight losses. After another win this week against the Nuggets, the Wolves are back on a winning streak now. Meanwhile, the Blazers got Damian Lillard back this week, but have lost 10 of their last 11 and are currently outside of the playoffs completely. On Monday night, our Celtics, the team we love so much, had their best win of the season, a 117-103 victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Everyone was talking about breaking up the Jays, Andrew. And meanwhile, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 61 points in the victory over the defending champs. It was Jalen Brown's first appearance in the last six games after dealing with a hamstring injury. On Tuesday night, after several games of anticipation, Steph Curry finally broke Ray Allen's all-time record for career three-pointers. It was an historic moment made even more memorable by the setting in MSG with legends like Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, Spike Lee sitting courtside, and Pete Davidson, bleached hair in a hot pink sweatshirt in the background of every single photo, memorialized forever. On Wednesday night, we had two buzzer beaters, Andrew, first in Oklahoma City where the Thunder were playing the Pelicans. It was a close game. Ended with 12 total points scored in the final 7.2 seconds. The last three points coming from Devontae Graham, who hit a 61-foot prayer. Seconds after Shea Gilgis-Alexander had hit a similarly insane three-pointer to tie it up. Meanwhile, in Dallas, it was Russell Westbrook passing to a wide-open Austin Reeves, who had a game-winning three against the Mavs. Reeves went from being an undrafted rookie from the University of Oklahoma to hitting a game-winning shot in the NBA while sharing the court with LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Westbrook as his teammates. And finally, on Thursday night, the Nets, without James Harden, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Bembry, and James Johnson, and of course Kyrie, beat the Sixers 114-105. Over his last three games, Kevin Durant, is averaging almost 40, 10, and 10, putting his early mark on this year's MVP race. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week. And when I sat down to figure out what I wanted to talk about this week, I honestly didn't really want to talk about the Grizzlies because I feel like I talk about the Grizzlies a lot on this show, but I couldn't look away because what they've done without John Morant has been really astonishing. And they had time without Ja last season. They went 5-4. and four a decent team. But this season so far they're 9 and 1 without Jaw. They whenever Jaw went down, they were 9 and 10. And you thought, man, they're going to be in trouble. Like the Jaw injury ended up not being as bad as people thought it was going to be. That's great news, but still how is this Grizzlies team going to stay afloat in the Western Conference? Well, right now they sit at 4th in the West pretty comfortably and since he's gone down, since Jaw has gone down, they've had nearly a 20-point swing in defensive rating. They were literally last in the NBA at 117, and now they are first in, in the league in the last 10 games. The last 10 games since he's been gone, they're at 97 
defensive rating without him, which is just wild. And their offense is currently ranked fifth in the NBA at a 115. So they have the best net rating in the NBA over the last 10 games. So exactly how are they doing this without the straw that stirs the drink and John Morant? I think you have to first look at the trio of Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, and Desmond Bain. Uh, Dylan Brooks came back. He played six games with Jaw. He's really one of the better players on the team. Uh, and then those other two just, they have taken on more of a role. So with John Morant in the lineup, Jaron Jackson Jr. is averaging 14 points. Dylan Brooks in his six games is averaging 18. And Desmond Bain averaging 15 per game. Without Jaw, all their numbers are up, except for Dylan Brooks. He just stayed the same because that's this is already kind of his role. But Jaron Jackson Jr. up to almost 20 points per game. And Desmond Bain, second-year guard, is scoring 17.7 points per game. He has been incredible for them. And on some nights, their best player. Uh, they're also having seven players on the team averaging 10 points per game during this stretch. So wow. not only those three, but so many guys are picking up the slack during this. Uh, and then they have, they're averaging so many steals per game. I think they have seven players averaging at least one steal per game. So they get out on the break and it's really just a joint effort overall for this Grizzly squad. But it also coincided with Zaire Williams going down with an ankle injury. And Zaire needed a ton of development. He was one of their building blocks, you know, for the future. They made a trade to get him in the draft, and they wanted to make sure that they invested in him this season. But since he's gone down, guys like John Conchar and Kyle Anderson have gotten more minutes, and these are just better players today. They're multi-tooled, competent NBA players. And that's what this Grizzlies team is built on. They're tough, they're multi-tooled, and they're just effective. And partly some, some good news for Grizzlies fans is that obviously you're not better without John Morant. Like, if people are asking that question, like, that's a dumb question. And he, there's even evidence for this. In the six games that Dylan Brooks played with the Grizzlies, the lineup of Morant, uh, Desmond Bain, Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams was a plus 25.9. That's one of the best five-man lineups in the NBA. So when Jaw comes back, Jaw's already put out some cryptic tweets. I don't know if it, if it means that he's coming out of health and safety protocols or if he is possibly coming back uh, to play on Sunday of this week. But whatever it is, like Jaw comes back to a team that is ready to compete and at a pretty high level. So I, I'm just enamored with this Grizzlies team, the run that they've been on. Taylor Jenkins has done a phenomenal job with this roster, and they just continue to just have this baseline level of competence. And then I think that Jaw can even just raise that up a little bit when he comes back. Yeah, their, their depth is incredible. And one guy you didn't even bring up who I always loved him back in his Minnesota days, but Tyus Jones. And it kind of seemed like he had yep. just become like this forgotten guy in Minnesota. He's never really got his shot there. Then he gets sent to the G League, and he eventually ends up on the Grizz. And during the stretch, like, he's been awesome. Like, he's having to play significantly more minutes than he's ever played before. And you look at some of the lineup data, like the lineups he's in with their other good players, like, it's really good right now. And I'm just happy about that because it always seemed like the only knock on him was that he's six feet tall. Like, he's small. Like, we all get yeah. it. But he's a really good player, and it seems like he's finally getting that opportunity to shine right now. Yeah, and he and he. The thing about Tyus Jones that is kind of in the DNA of all these guys is that they just really compete every single night, and he he's like a steady hand for them to let everybody else do what they do. 
which has been very nice for them. I'm a, I'm a big fan, Andrew, and it all goes back to uh, Keith Parrish when he came on this pod and said that, uh, you know what, I don't see why the Grizz are going to be any worse losing Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. In fact, maybe they're going to yeah. be better, and look what happens. It could be better. Okay, Andrew, uh, for, for, my, for my interesting thing this week, uh, I don't think I'm breaking any news to you when I say that the experience of being an NBA fan differs depending on which team you follow. And if being a fan was a job, some jobs have been easier this season, while other jobs have been harder. Being a Warriors fan, for instance, seems like a pretty easy job. You get to watch great Steph job. have another career year, break some records, possible MVP. The team's looking great. You got Clay coming back soon. It seems like a pretty good gig. And it's not just good teams where it seems like an easy job to be a fan. What about the Orlando Magic? Finally getting to see a roster full of young guys after years of mediocrity. You're going to add another top pick in this year's draft. No one in the national media scolding you for tanking, even though you're really good at it. <laughs> Seems like a pretty easy job to be a Magic fan this year, in my opinion. But who has had the hardest job this year, Andrew? Which fan base has been put in the worst position by their favorite team, forced to endure months of pain and suffering, disguised as a fun hobby to share with friends? Before I reveal who I'm going to talk about, who, would, who do you mm -hmm. think I'm about to talk about? Because I did not tell Andrew who I was going to talk about this week. Who, what fan base do you think has had the hardest job? Uh, I think the Sixers fans have just been kind of yanked around all over the place this season. I think that would be kind of brutal right now. Andrew, that is exactly correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought you might say the Kings, and it's fair. Like Some, some people out there uh, might think that I was talking about the Kings, but here's the thing. That's like, baked in. That's exactly. baked in. The Kings franchise has been trying to sell their fans the exact same season year after year for over a decade. At some point, yeah. you have to imagine the edge wears off. So I'm acknowledging oh, yeah. that it's still very hard to be a Kings fan this season, as it always is. But <laughs> as at it least, always will be. At yeah. least it was predictable, and you're familiar with the routine. So not the Kings. I want to talk about the team that has put their fans through a version of basketball hell that I don't think we've ever seen before with so many bizarre twists and turns that it's incredible this franchise doesn't have to issue a yearly apology for putting their fans through this. Talking about the Sixers, before I go into it, first a quick update on what's been going on in Philly lately. After a loss to Kessler Edwards and the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday night, which followed a loss to Gabe Vincent and the Miami Heat, the Sixers are now 15-15. and 15. They've lost four of their last five, are currently the eighth seed, just one game ahead of the dreaded 11th seed. They are 14th in offense, 21st in defense. They are a completely average team. Now, are there bright spots? Of course. Joel Embiid is a generational center who is forced to do almost everything for this team and is largely de delivering night after night. Tyrese Maxey, he's a 21-year-old late first-rounder who has taken a massive jump in his second season. And Seth Curry continues to be one of the best bargains in the league. And yet, none of it really matters. How do you enjoy any of these bright spots when the team as a whole is so directionless, when the season at hand feels so pointless? Sixers fans are in this holding pattern with no obvious end in sight. Nothing really matters until a Simmons trade happens, and until that happens, what's the point of any of this? And what makes it all the more difficult for these fans is that it felt so different early on. Once upon a time, the Sixers were 8-2 atop the Eastern Conference. Sure, Daryl needed to get a good return for Simmons, but hey, the Sixers were playing great without him, so no rush. Take your time, Daryl. 
Make your little list of 25 players. You know what? Add five more. Let's make it an even 30. Go ahead and leak literally every thought you've had about a Ben Simmons trade to the media, and let's just wait all these teams out. We've got nothing but time. That all sounded great at 8-2. At 15-15, and 15, now we're entering lost season territory, which was always talked about as a possibility if a deal didn't get done, and it feels more real than ever after this past week. Reading and listening to Sixers fans, it feels like this fan base is reaching some kind of breaking point. But maybe I'm projecting. Maybe it's me who's reaching a breaking point with this team. As I've been thinking about the Sixers' current predicament, it's hard not to see some parallels with what, with what was asked of Sixers fans during the process. Because in both cases, you have the hotshot GM who presents a plan to solve a difficult problem that is both logical while also going against the grain of what most GMs would do, Sam Hinkie looked at the often hopeless pursuit of superstars through free agency and rejected it in favor of bending the odds in his favor by losing and getting a superstar through the draft. Daryl Morey looked at a 25-year-old All-NBA player and said, no, I'm not just going to trade him for anyone just because things might get awkward. He believes Simmons is a star and trading him for anything less than a star is condemning the Sixers to mediocrity. Both Hinky and Maury were taking a big-picture approach to a difficult problem with the end goal of maximizing the Sixers' long-term championship odds. Also, in both cases, there's the promise of future riches. During the process, it was the high picks needed to draft the superstar players. Endure the losing, fans, and you will be rewarded. Now it's the promise of a top 25 to 30 player. And finally, in both cases... A lot is being asked of Sixers fans while they wait for those riches to materialize. Hinky asked Sixers fans to endure consecutive seasons of losing in the hopes that the odds would eventually add up in their favor, while Maury is asking Sixers fans to endure what is now looking like at least one lost season during Joel Embiid's prime in the hopes that he eventually is able to land a star for Ben Simmons. My point in bringing all this up isn't to say that Daryl is wrong and needs to go trade for C.J. McCollum immediately. From the beginning, I've agreed with them. We talked about it last week. Look at the contenders this year. They all have at least two players most would consider top 25 to 30 players. If the Sixers don't get another player like that and Simmons is their best hope of doing so, they're not going to be a serious contender. My point in bringing all this up is just to say that Sixers fans have lived through this cycle before where they are the guinea pigs for the smart GM's radical plan. And from the outside... It sure seems like it sucks right now. At least during the process, <laughs> there was a newness to it all and an inherent yeah. flexibility where it seemed like anything was possible. Now it feels much more like the Sixers are marching themselves and their fans further and further into a corner that is increasingly difficult to escape. And so the least I can do as a neutral observer on a national podcast is to acknowledge how hard of a job it is to be a Sixers fan this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Sixers fans. Yeah, it it is rough. It is rough. I know when the debates are like, do we like Charles Bassey or Paul Reed more? It's uh it's 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 rough out there. It's rough and they have to spend so much time just defending their GM, you know, from the from the yeah. national media. Like it, yeah. it's just it's a tough job. It it's weird and I mean, and when has anybody ever gone through this? Like can you imagine like we're Thunder fans. Can you imagine having a season where Russell Westbrook was just like, yeah, I'm not going to play the oh, whole it, season. The drive is insane. And you're like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, you're not going to, you're not going to play basketball for us. Like you're just not, you're not going to play, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable 
that it's happening, that it's go- that it's continuing to go on, and seems like there's no real end in sight. Yeah, and, to and, it this season. And honestly, like I'm not even interested in the debate of like who was right and who was wrong between Simmons and Maury. Like at this point, I'm just concerned for Sixers fans and how much yeah. they have been put through as a fan base over the last decade. And this is just like yeah. another episode in this horrible tragedy. Well, not only that, but Embiid. Like, yeah, absolutely. How long, yeah. Like, Embiid's 27 years old. Like, how many more prime years do you have of him? I, I don't. I, who knows? It could be six. It could be two. We have no idea. And he looks, how much he longer looks good right now. Like he is. He's incredible awesome. right now. Yeah, he's he's gotten better this year. And if you just ha- like, there's a you have the the Ben Simmons hole that's left is is a ridiculous one at this point. It is. It's sad. So shout out to Sixers fans. We appreciate you. We see you. We hear you. We acknowledge it. (laughs) Oh, so sorry, Sixers fans. All right. Right after this quick break, we are going to talk Boston Celtics with our guy, Jay King. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, the segment where each week we spin a digital wheel. It lands on an NBA team, and we become fans of that team. And this week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Boston Celtics. Celtics only played two games this week, earning a split against two of the top teams in the league. Last Friday, the Celtics lost to the Suns, while on Monday, they had arguably their best win of the year against the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics are currently 14-14, 10th in the East, 21st in offense, 10th in defense. Andrew, if the Celtics are a team this week, who is our guest? Ooh, you guys know him. It's Jay King, Celtics beat writer at The Athletic. Jay, what's up? They probably don't know me. There's no reason to know me. Oh, stop it. Whatever. You're a star. Jay King is a star. That's... Uh, False. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, so the Celtics have had a really up and down season so far. Uh, we saw a glimpse of what they could look like against Milwaukee with a healthy Jalen Brown. How much of their early season struggles are simply a result of those two stars not performing to expectations versus other issues that they've had? I think a lot of it, I mean, some of it is Jalen Brown missing about half the season so far with a hamstring issue that that's a big deal they're not a team that's deep with scoring they're not a team that's loaded with shooting but I also think there are some roster deficiencies that are pretty evident and when you're trying to build a roster around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to, to me the things that you would really want 
one of them would be playmaking and shot creation for others around them because that's not their best strength. And there's not enough of that. Like Marcus Smart can do it. Dennis Schroeder would much rather get buckets for himself. And a lot of the other guys just don't, that's not what they do. So I think passing and just shooting is there are three guards who play the most minutes are Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, and Josh Richardson. You don't even have to guard their backcourt mm-hmm. at the three-point arc. And yeah. so that's a big problem. That's going to hold back their offense all season. But their defense is is typically very good, and and I expect it to continue to be very good. They have a lot of quality defenders. Al Horford has been awesome defensively. Um, and with Jalen back, when Jalen's in the lineup, their defensive numbers are just dynamite. So this is a team that's going to need to lean on its defense uh, because the offense just – doesn't have enough shot making or shot creation to to kind of be one of the top 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 groups in the league. Yeah. What what have been the early season results on new head coach Ime Udoka so far? And like what are the key differences between he and Brad Stevens to you? The most obvious difference is that Brad Stevens kind of avoided all confrontation. Yeah. <laughs> he went out of his way <laughs> yeah. to support the players. And really, I don't think I ever heard him say a bad word about an individual player during a press conference, whereas Ime Udoka is just very honest. And to his credit, like, he's the same no matter what. Like, if he's happy, he'll tell you. If he's not, he'll tell you. The other day, Dennis Schroeder and Jason Tatum got in a yelling match on the court. And if we had asked Brad Stevens about that, he would have said, like, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. It was just two guys in a moment, like whatever. He may told us exactly what happened. He said <laughs> one of them was mad that the other looked him off in transition, and <laughs> and so they hashed it out. And you know what he said? He's like, I I like that. I prefer that to them just kind of ignoring it. And and I think that's kind of his style is to be a little more con- confrontational, to be a little more honest. Um, I do think the players seem to like him, and they've definitely bought in, at least defensively, to to what he's doing. Uh, so I think that's a big plus. Um, but yeah, f- compared to Brad Stevens, like just just the honesty and the brutality of of some of his answers are just eye opening. And I'm sure it's gotten We're some at- of the players time taking them time to get used to it. We're having you on on kind of an interesting week because for whatever reason, everyone decided to start talking about breaking up Jalen Tatum or <laughs> Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown this we week. We could just call them Jalen Tatum. I, yeah, Jalen Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who has the pulse of Celtics fans, what percentage of fans would you say are actually interested in breaking up those two versus those who think this entire conversation is ridiculous? I would say most think this entire conversation is ridiculous. If you look at the historical data, those two guys have played very well together. The Celtics have been very good when they're on the court. I think over the last few years, the team has obviously had a lot of issues in in different ways. Like the the dating back to the last Kyrie season, like that was just a weird, weird ride to to cover. Weird for those players to be a part of. They definitely underperformed substantially. They come back after Kyrie and Horford leave, and it's Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and they were really good. And that team had a chance 
to get to the finals. That team was probably the best team that Brad Stevens coached. And Jalen and Jason were obviously two of the biggest parts, maybe the two biggest parts. And so I think they can play together. I think the challenge is getting the right pieces around them. The Celtics have lost a lot of talent over the last three, four years. They they've they went from having an absolutely loaded roster to kind of trying to figure out who should be on their depth chart. Um, and and now they've pivoted from, you know, first it was Kyrie and Horford they were building around and Hayward. And then it was Kemba and Hayward and Tatum and Brown. And now it's Tatum and Brown. And so they, they need to figure out how to complement those guys with the right type of roster. I think that's their their challenge. And, and it'll be difficult because they don't have the assets that they used to have. Brad Stevens isn't in the place Danny Ainge was three years ago when really the Celtics were just loaded up with different ways to kind of become a contender. Now it's it's going to be more challenging. Um, but I think those two guys are the guys you want around, and you just got to figure out how to build around them. Yeah, we have trade season. It's kind of already started. There's been no trades, but most players are open to being traded now. Uh, with the restrictions being lifted. Uh, this is Brad Stevens' first trade deadline as president of basketball ops. Uh, do, you this, do you see this team as more of a buyer or a seller? And if they're a buyer, what kind of players would they target in a trade? Uh, if they're a buyer, they need shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Just any shooting. Someone on my my podcast, one of our listeners, recommended Buddy Heald. Um, yeah. And that would be like, the type of guy. I don't know whether he would fit because he makes a lot of money and he's going to be making money for a couple years down the road. I don't I don't know if they'd be interested in adding that much money, but that type of guy to just make things easier on Tatum and Brown. You know, they're they're trying to make those guys playmakers. Well, it's a lot easier if you're kicking out the ball and you're doing it to a 40% three-point shooter instead of a backcourt that shoots a combined like 32% or whatever it is. Um, and so I think that's that's what they would be looking for if they were buying. I think it's possible that they're sellers. You know, they're 500 right now. Um, you look you look at this roster and Dennis Schroeder is, is one that really stands out because he's on a $6 million deal and he's going to be looking to make a lot more than that next season. The Celtics aren't going to afford it because they won't have his bird rights. They signed him to a one-year deal. And, you know, you're not going to break up everything you have just to afford to give Schroeder uh, a sizable contract. So if they do become a seller, he, I think he would be one of the pieces to go. Um, I'm not sure they will do that. I think there's there's definitely a a path where they say, you know what, we want to be more competitive this year. Dennis Schroeder helps us, helps make us more competitive this year. And I do think they want to see their whole team healthy because they haven't, they haven't done that much. Um, even dating back to preseason, Jalen Brown and Al Horford got COVID like almost right away. And with a new coach, new system, they weren't able to be there during training camp. They weren't able to be there during preseason. Udoka said he kind of treated the early regular season like the preseason in some ways. So they, they've been playing catch-up since then. And I do think they, they the front office wants to see, like with Tatum and Brown on the court, how does the supporting cast work around them um, and then kind of move, move on from there. 
So the, the Celtics kind of feel like a veteran team, but they still have a significant number of under 25 players on this roster. So outside of Brown and Tatum, among those other young guys, who is one that's really impressed you this season and then maybe one that's disappointed you? Uh, Grant Williams has has impressed me. He has – I mean, last year his second season was kind of a rough year for him. I, I thought he had a pretty promising rookie season. Then he came back. Um, for whatever reason, he just didn't have the same impact. And comes back in year three. He's shooting 45% from the three-point arc, which is crazy. I'm not sure anyone expected Grant Williams to ever get to that number, let alone this season. He He's really been good for them defensively. He – can play four, he can play five, he gives them physicality. And so I, I think Grant Williams um, has gone from someone who I wasn't sure was a part of their plans even this year to pretty clearly one of their rotation players and one of the guys they lean on for for big minutes. Um, disappointing, I would say Peyton Pritchard, just because, you know, as a rookie he shot 41% from three. He was, for long stretches, the most reliable backup the Celtics had. Someone who, when they went through tons of injury issues last season, really helped them keep afloat for a while. Um, and now, for whatever reason, he's just not playing nearly the same. Udoka, it's it's very challenging to play him with Dennis Schroeder because they're both small guards and this team really wants to rely on its defense and get stops um and so Udoka kind of went away from Pritchard early in the season and Pritchard has just in limited minutes not been able to to really perform up to his standard so he'd be the one that's disappointed I don't think it's all on him but but from where he was as a rookie to where he is now it's been a pretty steep drop I wanted to ask you about Aaron Neesmith because you mentioned shooting earlier, and I know he's not shooting well this season, but he is theoretically a good shooter. What have been some of the obstacles for him earning more playing time? Yeah, I think for he's just got to make shots. <laughs> like, like if, if he makes shots, they can use him. Uh, he, he's very energetic. He's a six six, athletic wing. If If he makes shots and he plays reliable defense, there will be space for him. He's been beaten out so far. Obviously, they brought in a couple of veterans. They brought in Schroeder. They brought in Richardson. When they have their full bench available, they're pretty deep. Like They have those two guys, Grant Williams and Ennis Cantor, all of whom have played big roles. Freedom. Uh, yeah, Ennis Freedom. Sorry. My bad. I uh, I always forget his new name. Uh, yeah, so... So Neesmith, like there, there are guys to climb, but I do think because of the shooting, if he can get there to where it's not just theoretical anymore, to where he's knocking down open shots and spacing the court, then they'll have to look into playing him. They'll have to consider giving him more playing time. Um, but if he comes in and he's not doing that, which he hasn't really so far, then he'll keep losing minutes to Romeo Langford. Josh Richardson will keep playing a lot of those minutes. And, and Neesmith will kind of be an afterthought until that point. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. 
and Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Jay, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it is now time to test your Celtics knowledge in Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly game show where Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer. What's that? I just want to say, I'm I'm playing in protest already, because I I feel like he he prepares before these, (laughs) and he knows the question, and you just bring us to, to come in here and slip up, so... If if that's true, that would be the biggest scandal in Slam and Jam history. I, I would not stand Schwab for that. Either. That that guy was a fraud. Really? You, you doubt Schwab? <laughs> you don't think that was real? <laughs> no, Schwab was real. You're I, a Schwab truther. I take that back. Schwab was probably real. But but no, Schlack, Alex, Alex wants Schlack. to see Alex wants to see me suffer. Like he wants to see me suffer. That's what's that's what part of this is about. I would love access to your emails to see what he sent you. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, uh, when we started this, Andrew started out 0-11-1. And so my plan was going perfect, but then he won 11 weeks in a row. Now, he, you know, it's see, back and forth each week. See, it's competitive. You've, you've been catching people slipping. You've been feeding him the answers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how this works, Jay, is I've come up with eight questions uh, in relation to the Celtics. Have not shared them with Andrew. Uh, you're going to give me a number between one and eight. It will score correspond to a question. Maybe easy, maybe hard. If you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So I just need you to start me off with a number between one and eight. Four. Question number four. Grant Williams. We were just talking about him. He is one of only three players in the league who is currently shooting over 45% from three on at least three attempts per game. Name one of the other two players who are doing the same. And I'll let you know I excluded Joe Harris because he's only played 14 games. So there are two other guys who have played the majority of the season, and they are also shooting over 45% from three on at least three attempts per game. You just have to give me one of them. It's such a funky list. I looked at it the other day because Grant was up near the top, and now I'm forgetting who else is up there. Uh this is bad. Mike Conley. 
Oh, that is correct for two points on the board. Take that nice one slacked. Pain. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, your turn. Number one. Question number one. Last season, Jason Tatum averaged 26.4 points per game. Since Larry Bird retired, there have only been two other Celtics to average at least 26 points per game in a season, and you have to name them both. Oh, boy. Name them both. So this is since Larry Bird, two Celtics who have had a season where they averaged at least 26 points per game. Is this Paul Pierce and Isaiah Thomas? Well done, sir. Andrew, that is correct. I thought you. I was. I thought it was a good question because I thought you might go Kyrie, you know, but he and he was very close. I think he scored like twenty. We can't. We can't speak his name when we're talking about the Celtics. I know better than that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, Jay, back to you. It is tied two-two. You guys are a perfect game. So far. I'm going five. Question number five. Robert Williams is one of only four NBA players this season shooting over 70% from the field on at least five attempts per game. I'm going to ask you to name the other three, but I'm going to give you one point per correct answer. Okay. So so lead with your strongest guess first. So these are guys averaging 70% from the field on at least five attempts per game. I feel like Mitchell Robinson's normally on that list. Is that what you would like to guess? Yes. Yes, Mitchell Robinson. That is incorrect, oh, Andrew. You have a chance to steal. Uh, Rudy Gobert. That is correct for one point. This is killing. Any me. other guesses? Um, Jared Allen. Jo- Andrew, another point. Can you get all three? There's no way you're going to know the last one. If you did, it would be very impressive and would suggest cheating. <laughs> Um, Clint Capella? Clint Capella. That is incorrect. It was Rashawn Holmes. No. Would you believe that? Rashawn Holmes. I wouldn't have guessed good. Rashawn Holmes. I should have guessed I the other two. Either. I shouldn't have gone with Mitchell first. That was my mistake. Nothing's going well for the Knicks. Mitchell Robinson is not shooting 70%. <laughs> Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Big error. Uh, okay, Andrew, you're up 4-2, to two and you have control of the board. Uh, number two. Question number two. This is Marcus Smart's eighth season in the NBA. He is currently shooting 27% from three. He has taken at least four threes per game in every single season of his career. How many seasons has Marcus Smart shot at least 33% from three? (laughs) So I have narrowed it down to one through seven uh, because he's been in the league eight years. I told you he's shooting 27% this year. How many seasons... Has Marcus Smart shot at least 33% from three? One. Andrew, that is incorrect. Mm. Jay, you have a chance to steal. That is pretty badly incorrect. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. I would really like to rub it in your face. It, no, no, no. I, I'm not sure I'm going to be right either, but I, I know that was badly incorrect. Um, I think... He's shot at least 33% in five seasons. Oh, four. that was four. so I close. Meant four. It was four. Damn it. You <laughs> meant four, but you said five. I knew it was either four or five. I chose the wrong one. Well, you escaped uh, that round with Andrew not getting any points and is back to you, so you can tie it up here. We're going three. 
Okay, this is a fun one. Oh, man. That, that Since the 2013 trade with the Brooklyn Nets, the Celtics have played 26 different rookies. Eight of those 26 are still on the Celtics roster. 11 are no longer in the NBA. Seven are still playing minutes in the NBA, but not with the Celtics, and we're going to try to name all seven of those players. So how this works, Jay, you'll give me a name, then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So these are guys who had their first contract with the Celtics, either through the draft or as an undrafted rookie. They played their rookie season with the Celtics, and now they are getting minutes somewhere else in the NBA. Salute to Kelly Olynyk. That is correct, Kelly Olynyk. Back to Andrew. Uh, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier, that is correct. Back to Jay. Who have they drafted? Second rounders included, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, undrafted included. Undrafted included. Oh, undrafted are included too? Do do two-way contracts. Sure. Those those count too? It's just your first. They just had their first contract with the Celtics. But but do are if they're two way now, does that count? Two way now? Oh, like on, yeah. but not on the Celtics. Yes, correct. We'll throw out throw out a name. Taco I won't fall. penalize you. Oh, Taco Fall. You know what? That would be correct. That is correct. Uh, so I, I will I will say that is correct. Okay, back to Andrew. Uh, Shemi Ojolai. That is also correct. Back to Jay. I feel like I I don't know why I'm struggling with this one. It should be so easy to remember all of the Celtics rookies, but for some reason it's just like R.J. Hunter and James Young coming to my mind right now, <laughs> and Jordan Mickey. I, that that one. Jordan <laughs> Mickey. Like it, it's all the guys. That was are, it the same draft? That are I don't think that was the same draft. Actually, it might have been the same draft. I think it was. I feel my, like that that year was. My favorite memory of R.J. Hunter and James Young was when R.J. called them the Trash Brothers because they were playing poorly in Summer League. <laughs> <laughs> R.J. Hunter's a great dude, man. Really good dude. That was a hell of a line. Think of Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell. Okay, this one I'm looking up to see when he was drafted. That's another one that's also correct. And what? Oh, 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 no. He was drafted by the Charlotte Bobcats and he was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He signed his first contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was Cavaliers, not a rookie for then, the Celtics. You know what? He was. Okay, fine. That counts. That counts. He did sign his first contract with the Cavs, but he didn't play until he was with the Celtics. So I, I will count that. I appreciate that. That's pretty lenient of you. <laughs> Very lenient. I mean, it's, it is technically true. He did play his his rookie season with the Celtics, Ex- so I have to count. It. Okay, back to Andrew. Uh, what about my Egyptian friend Abdul Nader? Yes, I was wondering oh, if you would get him Nader. former that, Thunder. That's a good one. I'm surprised he carved out a, a niche in the NBA because things were bleak with him for a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we kind of felt that way in Oklahoma City for a while, too. <laughs> yeah. And then he turned it around. He's he's stuck around. Okay, so I have three names left on my list. Of Max course, uh, Jay has brought Max up. Max Struess. Max Struess. Another name <laughs> not on my list. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? Max Struess. When did he play for the Celtics? He, he was. He, he did sign a two-way. He signed a two-way, but he was and, waived. And then they waived he him. never played a game with the Celtics. Does, preseason doesn't count. 
He and he got it. No, he got his preseason full, he got his full contract. He was paid out the full contract. Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> fine. That's the last one though. Last one, Jay. Fine. I will count that. Back to Andrew. I'm I'm out of names. I, I I'm not pulling out a Max Struess here. I'm I'm. You've got to come come with something else. You've, I you've got more in the chamber. The, uh. There's one more name who is playing a ton of minutes. I don't know if you'd ever get it, but yeah. any other guesses, Andrew? Because uh, I've helped Jay out a lot, I so I feel like I need to give you at least a, a few more seconds to guess. I know. The Nader one was, was my last was the last bullet in the chamber for me. <laughs> that was all you had left. That's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, the other three names, Brad Wanamaker. No, no, no. Don't. Team. You gotta, uh, oh, do I already win? Yeah, you already won. Okay. Yeah, Wanamaker. If if you if you want to show off and guess the yeah, other names, you you're Wanamaker, Tyson, Javante Green. Oh, Tyson. Wow. Why did you name all those names? Those are the names on my <clears> list. <throat> you could have given those at any point. You would have destroyed I Andrew. Have I, I, going I, I, wanted, I wanted to go for the tougher ones. <laughs> Max for no reason, Struis. just making me look bad. <laughs> okay. It is now Although a tie Struis game, was by a the way. Well, I, I, I got a couple of questionable ones in there. You did. A tie <laughs> but the fact ties. that you just named all the rest of the three makes me feel good about giving you the points. I appreciate that. Clearly knew them all. Okay, Andrew, three questions left. Six, seven, or eight? Uh, six. Question number six. It is tie game, by the way. Here we go. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart are already in the top ten in Celtics franchise history for three-pointers made. Rank those three in terms of most career three-pointers to fewest career three-pointers. So it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. In what order are they in that top ten list? Smart, Tatum, Brown? That is correct for two That's points. That was one of the That's easier ones. Okay. Back to Jay. There's two questions left, seven or eight. We're going with eight. This is and the other weird Walker one. Number. And- <laughs> Ennis Cantor recently changed his name to Ennis Freedom, joining a small group of NBA players who legally changed their name during their playing careers. Perhaps the most famous of those was Ron Artest, who changed his name to Meta World Peace in 2011. That wasn't the only time he was cha- he would change his name, however. What name did Meta World Peace change his name to in 2014 while playing in China? <laughs> Do you remember... <laughs> I should know this. I should know this. Um, I'm pretty sure I know this. I, I at least am very close if I don't have it exactly <laughs> correct. He changed his name again, huh? And it will need to be exact. will need to be exact. Did he go back to run our test? Okay, so you're guessing that he went back to run our test. <laughs> it's an extremely poor guess, but I don't, I don't remember what he actually changed his name to. <laughs> well, uh, you're correct that that was a poor guess. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. What do you think it was? I think this is Panda's friend. Andrew, I'd love to give you the point, but unfortunately, the correct name is the Panda's friend. You left off the. No, you got to give him the point. Give him the point. He <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. Rules are rules. <laughs> all right, Andrew. That's. You have a chance. How we'll do- talk I don't even remember that at all. Look, I might have just totally missed that somehow. <laughs> It looks very funny on a jersey because it's, it's completely spelled the out. The panda's, panda's friend. friend. Yeah. Okay. Is he still Andrew, the panda's friend, or or was that a brief no, no, no. phase? He's actually no, something he's now, different now, right? Yeah, he, he's still meta, but and uh, and world. It's it's a it's a longer name. Yeah. 
It's a hyphenated name now. Meta Panda Peace. <laughs> Meta, Meta what is his name? <laughs> it is now Meta Sandiford Artest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meta Sandiford okay. Artest. Okay, Andrew, last question. You get first dibs. Okay. The Celtics currently sit in the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. If they miss the playoffs this season, it'll be the first time that's happened since Brad Stevens' first year coaching in the 2013-2014 season. Who played the most minutes for the 2013-2014 Celtics? Oh, my. Avery Bradley? I don't know. Avery Bradley, a, a very good guess. Could have been right, but it's not. Jay, you have a chance to steal. My guess would be Jeff Green. Jay, that is absolutely correct for one point. Unfortunately, Andrew has six points. And so Andrew wins. Andrew versus the beat, six to five. Should have eight points. Should have eight. No, you shouldn't. You left off an article. Hold on, hold on. How did he have more points than I did? I feel like I got more questions correct. Or one more question. Um... Is nope. there going to be another Jay, Jay King correction here on Andrew versus <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I got cheated out of a point somewhere here. Okay, you got two points for uh, naming all those guys, including Max Struess, which I shouldn't have given to you. Uh, you also got true. a point for naming Mike Conley, <laughs> so that was four points. Mm-hmm. And then you got one point for stealing Jeff Green, so that brings you to five. Oh, so certain questions are worth fewer points than others. Well, you when, when you steal, you only get a point. When it's your See, question, I feel like stealing should too. be worth more points because then you're not only getting a point, you're dunking on the contestant. <laughs> so, well, I, arguably again, you should have again, way more points. I'm playing in protest. <laughs> just just say uh, you got the one question that could have been worth three points: the Rudy Gobert, Jarrett Allen. Yeah, I've Sean I blew question. that no, one so badly. Mitchell yeah. Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. That's... I mean, what a bad answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Jay, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, listen to Anything is Potable, another great podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen to Jay on Basketball Buds, also on Point of Contention most weeks on uh, this very show. So thank you so much for joining, Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I I was still in, under protest on that one, but uh, <laughs> I'll get my revenge one day. <laughs> Mitchell Robinson, so uh All right, Andrew, it is once again time to spin the wheel of fandom. We are starting a new spin of the wheel. Boston was week one, so we have a ton of teams on the board. It could be anyone, Andrew. We could get Cleveland. We could get Cleveland, the Cavs, my Cavs. Hey, we could. Uh, Let's see who we get. Spinning the wheel. Who is going to be the team for next week? Our wheel of fandom team will be... The Utah oh, Jazz. Utah Jazz. Man. Okay. Good time to get them. This em. team is cooking. They're cooking right now, Al. They're cooking. What's different? We're going to find out. We'll find out. We'll see. Uh, all right. Before we go, I'm going to read a couple five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. This first one comes from Colorado Skies from the USA says the Saturday Slam and Jam podcast fearlessly and jauntily led by the double A dynamic duo from OKC is always an enjoyable ride for the true NBA fan. They clearly have fun, do their research, and make every episode worth looking forward to. The trivia contest with different beat writers from the gamut of NBA cities make the conclusion of each episode engaging. 
Keep up the great work, fellas. Thank you so much. That's so, so nice. And our next Apple Podcast five-star review comes from J.G. Kessler, also from the USA. I love all the pods on the feed, but this, but Saturday is definitely my favorite. The Slam and Jam is my go-to as I travel throughout Colorado front, the Colorado Front Range for work on Saturdays. And my favorite part is someone finally brought up Andrew versus Hashim Thabit, <laughs> which I haven't been able to make happen. If you couldn't tell, uh, Jay King is not Hashim Thabit. Uh, gotta make this happen. I'm still trying, I promise. Thanks as always. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our show. It means the world to us. We will not have an episode next week because of Christmas. We will have a special Christmas episode of the Athletic NBA show that you can look forward to. So look out for that. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we will talk to you guys again next time.